Welcome to the Church Explained podcast, a conversation to develop your leadership and grow your church. In this episode, we're going to talk about leadership and business lessons to help grow your church. And we're joined today with the founder of Faith Life, the CEO, Bob Pritchard. Now, let me show you a little bit of information about Bob. He began coding at the age of eight. That seems a long time ago, uh, but I actually started coding then and Round about the age of 15, he developed the first Bible software where people could search the King James Bible. And that's pretty amazing at that age. And then after that, he went on to university, Drexel University, where he studied uh, computer science. He was an intern at Microsoft for two years. And in his time there with his friend, they developed the first Logos Bible software. And I tell you what, a lot of pastors are happy for this. So Bob has now developed the whole Logos system. It's joined by Faith Life Technologies, and it is a growing brand that will help support your church. Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Nathan. And we're the hosts of the Church Explain podcast. Today we're joined by Paul Pritchard, the president and CEO of Faith Life. Started programming computers at the age of eight and uh, helped with some stuff around sort of librarians, uh, working with his mother there. In 1986, at the age of 15, developed the first Bible software program, which allowed users to search the King James Bible. And then after that, went to university, Drexel University in Philadelphia, merging in computer science. Uh, you were an intern with Microsoft for a couple of years. And during that time, I guess, with your friend, uh, you began to develop the first um, part of Logos Bible software. Uh, and of course, that's really grown. That started in 1992. And from that time, it's grown to a real success to, to be led into the different technologies under the Faith Life brand. Mm. So we're excited to have you here, Bob. And we're yeah. going to talk about leadership and the lessons that you can help teach leaders and pastors who maybe connecting in today yeah. to help them grow their churches. So yeah. welcome, Bob. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, age of eight, wow. like programming software, computer programming, I mean, that's amazing. Why don't you just tell us a little bit more about yourself, your family and your role and everything else, Bob? So uh, I grew up in the church and I went to Christian schools. And so I had Bible class five days a week and then on Sunday school on Sunday, and uh, that's a, one of the reasons I got interested in computerizing Bible study was I was tired of looking things up in those big, heavy concordances where you had to, to go to search things by word. So I love the idea of a computer being able to do that search. Uh, my parents were heavily involved in the church and, you know, taught classes and were in leadership. So, uh, you know, Bible study was a big part of the, the context I grew up in. And... Uh, now I'm married. I have two kids and uh, who are adults and out of the house and uh, still working on the same project I started when I was a teenager. Wow. wow. It's amazing. And um, I mean, on behalf of probably the whole church and especially pastors and preachers, thank yeah. you for the Logos Bible yeah. software because <laughs> that does help us massively. Uh, why don't you just share a little bit about the vision of faith life and uh, also, you know, we've heard that that is an incredible company to work for. So, like, just delving into the why uh, people would say that's a great place to work. Sure. Uh, I mean, our mission at Faith Life is to use technology to equip the church to grow in the light of the Bible. 
And that's really behind everything we're doing. And for many years, our main product and only product was Logos Bible Software. And since then, we've expanded into Proclaim Presentation Software for the church to do you know, church um, song lyrics and announcements and things like that on Manage the Screen in the Sanctuary. But even there in Proclaim, we found ways to kind of bring the Bible into that. We have an on-screen Bible feature that actually navigates the Bible on screen instead of just taking verses and copying them and pasting them on pretty backgrounds. We can do that too, but we wanted to, to keep that idea of context and continuity when a pastor is working through a passage. And now we're building the Faith Life, uh, Faith Life Equip, which is a full integrated ministry platform that connects Bible content with church management tools, website hosting, online giving, all of these different features. And for us, it's really about keeping the Bible front and center. So I'm really excited that that our employees are on board for the mission and, and everybody's super clear. It tells us what to do. It tells us what not to do. And then um, as a company, I think the other thing that really drives us is our values. So uh, our values are honesty, openness, awesomeness, growth, initiative, elegance, and shipping. And uh, they conveniently spell out hoagies, which is kind of like a submarine sandwich from Philadelphia, where I'm from. And uh, we call that a hoagie in Philly. And uh, the hoagies values really, again, drive what we do, how we make decisions, uh, and just kind of keep us centered. And one of the things that I think is interesting about the culture and values is some of those are intention, right? Like so many good things in life are our intention, right? The desire to get something shipped and out the door is in intention with making it awesome and elegant, right? But we, we live with that tension every day. And I think that's, that's the work is to, to wrestle with that tension and see how do we make it, you know, awesome and elegant and get it shipped, you know? Uh, and the same thing with the uh, dealing with, you know, how open do you, you know, are you as a company versus the, what you need in order to, you know, build an awesome product or, or surprise people with something uh, beautiful and elegant and dealing with that every day is, is a challenge, but also fun. So, so Bob, it's, it's good to hear about the company. Why do you think that people love to work at your company? Uh, I think uh, <clears throat> many people are there because of the mission alignment, right? They, they, they want their work to have purpose, right? For, for years, we used it and still do as a recruiting slogan for software developers, write code that matters, right? Software developers are kind of, you know, it's interesting hybrid of artists and scientists. And you, <clears throat> you're writing, writing code that often is kind of boring, right? There's so much software that, that isn't super exciting with what it has to do, right? Internal business systems and, you know, all these other things. And we're writing software that helps people do more and better Bible study, right? We're writing software that helps the church be more effective in its ministry and do a better job of, of helping pastors take care of people. And I think that, that that sense of mission gets people excited. And then a place where you know what the values are, where they're crystal clear, you know, a lot of companies have value statements, but they're just some plaque on the wall that nobody's read in a long time or, or remembers what they say. And when your values are deeply embedded and they're constantly reinforced and when they're cited in meetings, I think that that, that changes the culture and it gets people, you know, excited, right? You want to be somewhere where, where things are clear, what we're doing, what we're trying to accomplish, what the guide rails are on, you know, behavior and expectations. And that the more clarity we have around that, I think the stronger the company culture is and the more people want to be part of it. And if anything, I wish we could, we, we need to keep getting better at that. We need to be talking about the more and, and making it more constant. And that's what, 
you know, turns it from, you know, a job to, uh, you know, a passion you can be excited about and look forward to every morning. So that would be uh, your values. That would be something uh, just thinking of churches really and helping yeah. churches to grow. Values would be a, a key for you in communicating all the time. Uh, constantly, you mentioned in meetings, but it's like front and center. Would that be correct? Yeah, I think that that any organization that has a clear set of who we are and who we aren't, that's valuable, right? And of course, for the church, we've got the Bible at the center, right? It, it, it can answer a lot of questions. But within that context, there's still a lot of different ways you can be, right? Are you, you know, are you reserved or are you effervescent? You know, are you, uh, you know, how you know, what's important to you in style and, you know, how your, you know, kind of corporate personality presents. And we talk a lot about that too. We have a corporate personality, right? As a company, who do we want to be to our customers? How do we want to be perceived? You know, I, I talk a lot about, you know, if, if, uh, you know, the company went to your high school, which, you know, which stereotype would they be in your high school? (laughs) And, uh, and I think that that uh, even, you know, for churches, right, churches have different styles, right? Some churches are more formal and some churches are more casual and they have different things that they're known for. Some it's it's about service and some it's about teaching and and people sometimes go to different churches at different phases of their lives, right? To when they need different things in their life, right? When they're raising kids, it might be different than, you know, when they were in college or at another stage of life. And I think that uh, it's it's always hard to be all things to everyone and, uh, by finding kind of, you know, what your values are, who you are as an organization, it it, it brings in the people who should be with you. And in some ways, uh, particularly in a business, pushes out the people who shouldn't be with you. Uh, and there's somewhere else that they might be a better fit. Uh, and I guess that can be a little bit like church content. You mm. know, when we have a certain set of values even in the church context, um, that can do the same. Other people will align to those values in the mm. style of the church or they will possibly go elsewhere and that's that's part of life really isn't yeah. it yeah i think there's a lot of similarities isn't there around business and growing a business and actually growing a church because there's a lot of the same elements in there yeah. and i know bob you often talk about this idea of are we looking to the right teachers can you share a little bit about that you know uh, you know where are we looking to are we looking to success or are we looking to failures to teach us so i love to read about um organizations, um, business history, right? Business history is a, you know, a a specific niche. And I spend a lot of time in business history. And, you know, as you alluded to there, one of my favorite things is reading failure stories, right? There's so many, you know, heroic biographies and, you know, the story of someone's triumph from nothing to huge success. And there's things to learn from that. And those can be interesting stories. But I think that one of the things you learn is there's also some randomness in that. There's, you know, there's things that are out of our control, whether it's, you know, God directing it in the way he he's chosen to or, the, you know, it's not things that always there's not always a cause and effect uh, that you can directly trace. But I think that there's uh, there's much more often a cause and effect in a failure story. Right. When you read about a business that 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 flopped or someone who raised a hundred million dollars to start a new enterprise. And then it, it fails and all the money is lost. I mean, the lessons in those kind of books are, I think even more valuable. And I think that we don't spend enough time uh, in the business world talking about failures and looking at them. Right. I think it happens sometimes in case studies in business schools or things like that, but you know, business press tends to be full of, you know, of the, the heroic stories of accomplishment. Uh, and I think that, 
when we look in the Bible, right, we see a lot of failure stories, right? We, we see a lot of, of, of the characters in scripture being very human and failing to accomplish what they wanted to or not living up to, to the standards that they needed to. And I, that's very instructive. And I think it's a good pattern we should be looking for as we build organizations as well to say, you know, not just how did someone grow that church to have such a huge impact, but how did that church that was making a difference in its community fall apart? How did they, they go from, you know, serving thousands of people each weekend to, you know, to kind of disappearing as an institution and studying that I think can be super instructive. Yeah, I, I think um, it's really helpful because, like you say, we do look at success stories, and mm-hmm. we look at you know even even just um, my generation, you get you get blog posts which would be ten ways I was successful, or ten ways we made this grow, or ten ways we made it work. And um, I, I wonder if uh, there's some blog posts that need to be written of ten ways that I failed mm-hmm. um, that help others. Uh, do that I think um, yeah like learning from failures is a big thing and especially um, in today's culture where we want to highlight that it's okay to fail Mm. and that you can learn through failure I think is a big thing yeah and and maybe not to be frightened of failure to see that failure is a lesson and stuff we can learn from it Mm. rather than running from failure you know what can we Mm. learn from it they often say you know lean into to your failures see what you can learn from them and i i think that's right when it comes to church as well Mm. we need to be willing to embrace that i I know for you bob you often talk about this idea of when you're in your workplace and you talk about rapid decision making and it got me thinking a lot about church because some churches are very slow at making decisions and therefore miss many opportunities could you share a little bit about that process of rapid decision making and how you think it could maybe even help church leaders? Uh, I like to think of it as as like there's there's this people are on this journey, right? And you talk to people and you say, "Where do you want to be in five years?" Right? A classic interview question or something like that. And people, everybody's got this vision of where their institution or the, themselves they are five or 10 years from now. Say, well, you know, five years from now, I'd like our church to be, you know, serving, you know, a couple thousand people in our community and having all these different things happening and say, great. So, you know, what are you doing about that today? Well, you know, today I'm busy with, you know, these tasks that I have on my task list and, you know, I've got five years to get to that. And I think that the mistake we make, we all make is we tend to think of, of the different, the distance between here and our goal as being time, right? Well, you know, here I'm this tiny little organization, but five years from now will be this successful, effective, you know, ministry or organization. And I've got time to get there. But what gets you there isn't time. What gets you there is a lot of changes, right? I mean, you're this way and you need to be that way. And you can't, you know, you don't go from being 100 people to 1,000 people overnight. So you have to be 101 people and then 102 people and then 105 people. And each of those things is a change, whether the change is somebody else walking in the door or hiring another staff member or, you know, expanding your facility or whatever it is. So if change is the, is what's going to happen during those five years, you can, you can maybe speed them up by speeding up the changes, right? And each of those changes is just a decision to do the new thing. Uh, and, and worse, if you don't make any changes, time doesn't do it alone. And that, I think, is the biggest mistake. People think time's going to just fix it, right? Over time, these things will happen. Say so time doesn't have anything to do with it. It's just changes. And you could do all those changes in the next six months or all those changes over the next 50 years, but it's still going to be the same number of decisions and actions you took. 
So why not speed them up? And I think we, we don't speed them up because we're afraid of making the wrong decision, right? We're afraid of taking the wrong fork in the road or going doing the wrong thing. But the more decisions you make and the lighter weight your decision-making is, the easier it is to back off, right? You could spend hours, days, weeks, months deciding if you should take the left or the right fork in the road, but you know, then you could still be wrong, Right. But if you just take one of the forks in the road and if it turns out to be the wrong fork, if you don't need another three years to decide to go back and go the other way, then it's, it's easy. And I think building that capability to be lightweight in your decision making, um, you know, you want to make the decision as wisely and thoughtfully and prayerfully as you can. But that doesn't need to take three years. Right. Uh, you can make that decision and try it out. And if it doesn't work, unmake the decision, which is just another change. So I try to do that in my organization, but, you know, I'm as human as anyone. And, you know, I, every time I talk about this, I think, you know, I need to go back and make some more decisions faster <laughs> because I've had plenty of decisions that I spent years on or was way late to. Um, but it's, it's why I think we should talk about it is that we just need to be constantly reminded that, you know, that not doing something today is a decision, right? It's the decision to not make a change, which, you know, and while it might be unclear to go left or right, um, the destination is definitely down one of those forks, not standing here thinking deeply about it. I guess it's linked as well to the, um, the point before around failure mm. as well. And, you know, being willing to fail, um, being willing to, I'm going to make a decision. And if it, if it doesn't work out or, yeah. you know, if it does fail, we'll just unmake the decision and we'll go the opposite way. Yeah, and I think that's true. I think often in church life, people can over-spiritualize it. Uh, they're waiting to hear God speak 10 mm. things before they make a decision. Mm. And, and I think people can be fright, you know, fearful of, you know, has God spoken to me? Mm. And, um, I, and I think that slows down decision-making process. We need to have confidence that God has already spoken, mm. and uh, we just need to get on with it. And I think maybe that's one of the keys Mm. Uh, church leaders can learn actually rather than thinking yeah we need to have these 10 things for god to speak yeah. then we will move mm. but by that time we've missed maybe so, so many opportunities <laughs> either to succeed or to fail is yeah. i suppose is reality isn't it yeah yeah maybe maybe for us to move yeah i think so really. <laughs> definitely um there, there's something here like in the notes uh, around first principles method and uh, the, the question w that we've got for you, Bob, is what lessons can we learn from the first principles method as we seek to grow as leaders and build the church? Uh, I'm a huge fan of getting back to first principles, right? And there's, there's lots of ways to describing it, right? In, uh, in all those heroic sports movies, it's the coach who comes in and says, you know, this is a basketball, right? You know, we're going to go back to the basics of, of passing this ball around. Uh, and I think that in, you know, in business, in life, in ministry, in politics, going back to first principles is a really useful thing. And just to step back and say, because, uh, you know, we know so much and the knowledge accumulates, but, but the wrong lessons accumulate as well as the right lessons. And to go back and kind of, I don't want to throw out what we've learned, but I want to check those things against fundamental principles, right? If, what do people care about using my products? Like when we're building software, what do I, what do I know, think is a first principle? I think people don't actually want to spend a lot of time using software, right? They want to accomplish some task and get it done. And, and they're not here to use the software. They're here to do the task, right? So one of my first principles is that people want to save time, 
right? And they don't want to use the tool I'm building. They want the tool to help them do the thing they need to do, right? And remembering that they're not here for the software, they're here for what the software helps them accomplish, you know, informs how we design it all the time, right? The goal of my church management system is not to build really fully detailed records that I, that I nurture and clean and edit and get all the fields correct in. It's to help me reach out to and keep track of and minister to the people who visit my church and are members and need care, right? And so every minute I can take away of maintaining my database and turning that into having a digital tool that tells me when I need to check in on somebody or, you know, automates tasks of paperwork and forms and all the overhead, that's the win. And I think that uh, churches the same way, right? Churches can get caught up in so many ministries and programs and all of these things, many of which are are wonderful, great uh, opportunities and ministries. But, you know, what is the first principle that you just need to keep in mind? Like, why are people here, right? To develop a relationship with God, to to be in community, to love each other. And the, the more you keep going back to first principles, the more grounded it keeps everything you're doing. So I said, I think it applies to, to software design. It applies to, you know, product design. It applies to organizational design, right? Why are people coming in the door? And, you know, what are we, are we addressing that need instead of the things that are part of our, you know, 17 year agenda? Very good. Yeah. I think it's coming back to the why, isn't it? We picked up on at the beginning really around values and vision actually, because if we get lost, and stuff and we forget about the why why are we here what's the purpose of the church mm. and actually we can't get lost in so many things can't we yeah so we've got to put people first and i guess that's the same in business as well you know as you think about your customers um i'm sure you've got a, an amazing customer service experience that you're building there is there anything bob from that from your customer service process that you could share with uh, leaders or pastors it would help them do a better job in the church. Um, you know, customer service is super important to us. I think that all businesses and organizations can, you know, are, are wrestling with this triangle of quality, price, and service, right? So in a business context, you can you can offer people quality or price or service, but it's hard to offer all three, right? They're, they're kind of in tension. And if you think about brands or stores that you know, right, there's, there's one that's known for price and there's one that's known for quality, but they're rarely the same one, right? And uh, we chose service as the place that we were really going to focus because in software, quality can be almost impossible, right? There's so many variables and so many different computers and so many things that, you know, we are out of our control. You know, we try to build as quality of software as we can, and we try to price it as well as we can, but ultimately, if we provide excellent service, people will, you know, forgive that bug if we can fix it with service and they will, they will consider it worth the price if the, the service is awesome. And I think that um, for us, service means getting back to first principles about pe- what people want, right? When you, when you call, we try to have a person answer the phone instead of a computer. We don't ask you to press seven to get to tech support after listening to a long menu, because if you're having a problem with our tool and you're frustrated, you want to talk to a human being, right? That's why you called on a phone. If you wanted to talk to a computer, you could go find a chat bot on the internet, right? Um, you pick up the phone to talk to someone who can help you. So we have a human being answer the phone and a human being help you instead of trying to lead you through tons of uh, number menus. And I think in the same way, thinking about the, you know, experience of visiting a church, right? I, I'm always impressed when I go to a church that has clearly spent a lot of time thinking about their visitor experience, right? Because it's so easy to think of it as, you know, well, I've been coming here for years and I know where everything is and I know how everything works. 
and to go back in kind of a first principles, but customer service attitude and say, hey, if somebody came in off the street, what would their impression of us be? Uh, and the same way, even, you know, we help churches with websites, right? And uh, we, one of the things we put into our default church website is a text me directions, right? Like if I'm looking for churches, I moved into a new community and I'm online looking for churches, I, where is it? I don't know the, where that intersection is. And sure, I could copy it to Google Maps, but if you just texted me directions, you know, now they're on my phone and I can click the link right to my, my nav. And the church also has that first point of contact of knowing where they came in and making sure uh, we do things like automatically posting the latest sermon. If it was recorded and proclaimed, we automatically post it to the church website, which takes time off the church admin. They don't have to do that every Monday morning, but it, it gets to that customer experience, right? If I visit a church website, I want to know the church is alive, right? And I know it's alive if yesterday's sermon is posted on their website and the calendar is up to date with this week's events. If I don't see a sermon since, you know, six months ago and the calendar shows an event that happened two years ago, then, then the church feels dead, right? And I, you know, that again, many of us going to the church regularly never visit the website because we know where it is and we know what's happening and we know the schedule. But if you think about it from that customer service point of view, that person who's new to the community or looking for a new church home, they don't know any of those things. And I would think that's even more important these days because if someone goes to your website yeah. and the last sermon they see is two months ago, they're thinking, has this church closed down during COVID? Yeah. Yeah. During lockdown, so it's really important we step yeah. up to date, isn't it, for the yeah. churches? So, I mean, that's a big shout out to churches. If they don't have an up to date website, mm -hmm. they need to do something about that, yeah. really, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Go on, Bob. I'd say I'll even add something else to it. As I, I spent some time during COVID in another location and I went online, I, I, you know, I saw churches as I drove past them in the area we were staying for a few months. And then I, of course, the first thing I did was go online, right. To read about the church. It's amazing how many churches don't answer the question you really have in mind, which is like, you know, they might have a statement of faith, but do they kind of, even if so many churches aren't denominational now, but they don't really tell you kind of what they believe um, the number of churches that don't tell you how to dress right? You know, are they formal? And if you show up in jeans, you're going to feel uncomfortable or are they casual and you can wear shorts, right? It's they, there's so many questions you have as somebody who's a stranger. And it was interesting for me to go back to that experience of being a stranger in a new community and looking for a church and realizing how much I wanted to know about each of those churches before I visited that they were not delivering, right? And so it turned it into, you know, despite growing up in the church my entire life, it was slightly more intimidating to show up the first Sunday you know, with all these things I didn't know that I wish I'd been able to find out on the internet. Now, there's so much, so much in there that church leaders can grab and uh, grab a hold of. And you mentioned um, many of the Faith Life products, you know, websites, uh, Logos Bible software, the church management software. I wondered if you'd just share for a moment, like the benefit of those products and services for ch to church leaders today. So uh, the Faith Life Equip is this whole integrated ministry platform, and it comes with our Proclaim presentation software, our um, Faith Life sites, website hosting, Faith Life giving, uh, which right now is only the U.S., but will be expanding. Uh, it comes with digital signage to manage the TV and the church uh, foyer to put the latest announcements and news up and calendar items up on the TVs. Uh, and it comes with church management and all the tools you need to email and text and communicate with the congregation. Uh some people use the whole toolkit. Some people just use part of it. But the great thing is it's fully integrated. And what's really great is that it's fully integrated to content as well. Because at our heart, you know, I said, everything with us is about helping the church grow in the light of the Bible. 
right? And coming from Logos Bible Software, we embed a, a, we give every congregant in the church a lightweight version of Logos Bible Software with a small library of books. We give, Equip comes with a larger collection of books for the pastor with Logos Bible Software. And then it comes with Faith Life TV, which is an online streaming service full of uh, both kind of Christian edutainment as well as seminary level courses that are, you know, taught by seminary professors from all over the world uh, that you can stream on your, you know, on your home television. And for us, that's the real key distinctive is that there's a lot of technology solutions, but they're kind of empty boxes, right? They're just databases you put your data into. We're building this integrated ministry platform, and we think that the content is an important part of that, right? That it's not just about, you know, being able to send everybody at the newsletter by email or paper. It's about getting them engaged in the word. It's about helping them, you know, connect the biblical content as well. And I think that's key because obviously, you know, connecting people to the Bible, you know, all the research yeah. shows that that's what causes people to grow. Mm. Uh, so to have all that content available to them. I mean, I have to say, I, I love Logos. I've been a, a user for, for many, many years. And uh, yeah, so I want to thank you for, for developing that because yeah. it's helped me so many times. Yeah. I love the fact they can go on. Yeah. I can do a passage search. I can do, a, you know, a word search. And it brings it all to me if I've got the commentaries there. Yeah. And uh, it's very helpful for lots of sermon preparation. So it saved me a lot of time because I mm -hmm. remember having those big concordances, the Strongs or the other ones, and you'd, you'd have them all stacked on a desk trying to work your way through. So I think it, Logos is, yeah. and all Faith Life stuff, it's just fantastic, really. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, thank you for, 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 for you and the team for all the work you guys have done over the years. I think it's probably helped a lot more leaders and pastors and probably even you realize. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's been great as we've chatted and as you've talked about those products and services. Yeah. We go back to that first question and you talk about values and you just see that all come through. And it's so amazing. I wondered, Bob, if uh, you, you could say anything to help uh, a church leader listening to this, a leader listening to this in terms of growing a healthy church. What would you say to them today? Uh, keep the Bible at the center, right? That's, that's the heart of our mission. And that's, I think that, you know, I'm not an expert on church growth, but my observation is the churches where the Bible's at the center are strong, right? Because there it's, it's not being carried by the leadership alone. The whole congregation becomes the, becomes the church and is ministering to each other and reaching out in the community. So just keeping the Bible at the center of everything. Brilliant. Bob, if people wanted to uh, kind of connect with you on social, how would they do that? Uh, we're at faithlife.com and logos.com, L-O-G-O-S, uh, for the Bible software. And at Logos, you can learn about all the different things we've got going on. And uh, I'm, I'm on Twitter at Bob Pritchett. So. Great, great stuff. Well, it's been great to have you with us on this Church Explained podcast, and it's been great to talk together on, uh, you know, kind of those business lessons that help build the church. I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who's listening today. Uh, just rate, review, subscribe, wherever you're listening, share it with people, and make sure you go over and check out everything that Faith Live have to offer. And we look forward to seeing you next time on the Church Explained podcast. <laughs>